You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Hey, at the end of our time this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sign up for one of our contribute groups. Uh, you'll see it uh, around the circumference of the room here are tables, and each of those tables have places where you can sign up to be one of, on one of the teams that we have here at the church that makes a difference. Some of the contribute groups are groups like the creative arts team or the audiovisual team. Some of the groups are groups like taking care of the landscaping and lawn mowing. Some of the groups are more outreach into the community groups like our HOPE team uh, groups that are back there, the community dinners that we do, the homeless ministries and Back there, we have uh, groups for uh, visitation teams, prayer teams. So invite you to take time and look at those and sign up to be a part of something more than just coming on a Sunday morning and being a spectator. My, my desire for all of us here at Riverside is that we, 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 we faithfully attend to be fed, to be encouraged on a Sunday morning, but also be involved in something where we're able to be in a dialogue situation like our small groups where we can ask questions and interact and, 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 and contribute in a more personal uh, 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 discussion-oriented kind of a Bible study, uh, more practical, uh, going deeper in things. And then if you could also be involved in some way of contributing outside or some, some way of serving on a hospitality team or doing something. And I think if we all do that, we will all be better. So that's what that's about. Um, and, and by the way, before I get into the message, I also want to say, um, uh, do you like the, the bumper video, the graphics that you see there? You know, week after week, we experience things that um, we just take for granted. Um, we don't realize that somebody puts hours into making a video that we show from a baptism video or a missions outreach video. Uh, or uh, the graphics that goes into our website and uh, the, the, the material that gets printed. Um, all of that is done because of a, a one man's job description, and that's Jeremy Reif. And uh, Jeremy came to us uh, five years ago after uh, Steve Pink moved on to the mission field, and uh, we did a search, and uh, he came up from South Carolina out of college and has done a fantastic job for the past five years. Uh, I want to share with you that now that he's a new dad and uh, 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 feeling like God has opened an opportunity for him, he is going to be accepting a position at Bear Corporation. So uh, he'll be moving on. He'll still be with us, still part, volunteering. But um, I just want you to show your appreciation to Jeremy. He's up there in the booth right now. So... Not just a talented person, artist and uh, technician, but a great guy. And uh, so we're glad they're still going to be part of Riverside. But if you uh, are gifted in the areas of graphics or video production, want to volunteer some time or know somebody that's looking for a position, let me know. Let me know. Now, we're talking about praying gutsy prayers. We're, you know, there are safe prayers that we all pray. Don't get me wrong. Prayers are good prayers no matter what, 
And if you want to pray for God to protect you as you travel, that's a nice prayer to pray, safe, safe prayer. If you want to pray for God to bless you, God to help you in the project that you're on, praying those God help me kind of prayers are all really good prayers. I love those. But for far too many of us, that's where our prayer life ends. You know, it's the God bless me, God bless my family, God bless the and so and so, and you know, so so those are the safe prayers that we often pray. However, I think that God wants us to be a little more daring in our prayer life, and that's what we're talking about here this month. And the first Sunday of the month, we said we prayed a prayer: God search me. It comes from Psalm one thirty nine. God search me and know my heart. Test me and know my ways. My anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Then last week, we prayed a prayer, God, sharpen me. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. God, we we want you to send some people in my life to sharpen me because I'm a better person when I have other people to help me to be the better person that you want me to be. So God, it's a scary prayer to pray because, you know, to sharpen things, it takes some friction, right? You got to rub off the, uh, uh, to make things smooth, you got to rub off the rough edges. And Lord knows we all have rough edges that need some rubbing. And as much as we don't like that, it's good for us. And so that's the prayer. Sharpen me, God, sharpen me. And so today I have another one that I want to present to you, a biblical prayer that I think every one of us needs to pray. And it's a prayer that goes along the lines of God, you know, thank you, God, for all the blessings in my life, but God, I know that I've been comfortable for way too long. So God, forgive me for being complacent. I want you, God, to use me. I want you to show me how I can be of help to what you want to accomplish in the world. God, I need you to give me your eyes to see and your ears to hear. I want to have your feet to go where you want me to go. God, I I need you to be involved where you're involved. I want to see where the Spirit is working, and I want to experience you by going to where you are and do what you're doing to help make a difference in the world. So the prayer is this. This is a simple prayer. God, whatever you want, Wherever you need me, here I am, Lord, send me. That is a gutsy prayer. Dead silence. (laughs) It's a gutsy prayer. It's a prayer of availability. It's a prayer saying, God, I'm available to you. God, what do you want through me? How can I be used by you? And and as the Apostle Paul said that we are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, it's a way of saying, God, I give myself to you. I offer myself to you. I'm alive. Please, please find a way, God. I want you to use me. And you know, every human being has that innate need to be used by God. I mean, I don't care if you're a Christian, if you're a Jew, if you're a Muslim, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Hindu, or none of the above. God created you to make something out of yourself and make the world a better place. My, 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 my reason I can say that is if you look at the book of Genesis, when God created everything in the story of Genesis 1, out of this primordial chaos, day by day, God created more order and beauty in this universe. And on the last day, he said, let us create humanity, man and women, in my image, in our image, in the image of God, let us create them. 
and give them the responsibility to rule over the rest of this creation. In other words, the role of every human being is to help continue to bring order out of chaos and stem the tide of decay in the world. We're to do the work of God, continue the work of God, to make something better of the world outside of our own world, outside of our own self. So I can say every human being has certain gifts and abilities. Every person, God has given certain things that they can do to make things better instead of making things worse. And so all of us have that call, that that mission of God in our lives to make a a difference. But those who are specific believers in Jesus Christ are empowered by the Spirit of God to extend God's peace and God's kingdom and God's order and beauty in the world in the name of Jesus Christ to the glory of God. Every human being. You say, but I'm not a pastor. Well, if you think that ministry is only being a pastor, you've just... You don't understand. The word ministry means I'm a servant. I'm a servant. To serve, that's what it means. I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve others. I want to be a part of helping things be better. So, so that's what this prayer is all about. God calls people throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. We see God calling people to do something to make an impact in the world. And all of us, All of us were made to make an impact. And when you're doing, whether it's on your job, in your home, in your family, raising a child, being a friend, whatever it is, when you know that you've done something well, how does that feel inside? Feels good, right? And conversely, and many of you have experienced this, maybe you had a job and you were very productive and you were doing something and maybe you didn't like it, it was hard work, but you know that you got up every morning and you went to work and you did something. And and then when you lose that job, and you wake up in the morning, you don't have anything to do, anywhere to go. What does it do inside? It affects you. It affects you. Why? Because you were created to do something with your life, to make an impact in your world. And whether you get paid to do it or whether you volunteer to do it, however you do that, you can, do, you can be that person of value. And that's, that's the gutsy prayer. So I want to talk about, since we're all called by God, how do we respond to that calling? I want to look at three examples of three different ways people responded to the call of God in Scripture. The first one comes from one of the minor prophets. His name is Jonah. You've probably heard the story. And, uh, and, and the story is told, Jonah, in, 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 in my understanding of Jonah is Jonah is representative of the Jewish people. And some look at that as a parable, not necessarily a literal story. The truth of the story is God had these people called the Ninevites that were very far from God. And God wanted the Israelites to reach out to these people with the message of God's beauty and God's grace and God's mercy versus their way of dealing with violence and destruction. They were evil people. And so God, in the story, calls Jonah to go to the place, go to Nineveh, and proclaim and warn them of the destruction that will come their way if they don't turn from their evil ways. But Jonah, speaking really for all the Jewish people in that day who had turned away from God, basically said, well, let's look at it. Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So what does Jonah do? What does Jonah do? It says... But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed from Tarshish, for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. 
After paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Here's Jonah's response. Here I am, Lord, but I'm not going. I'm not going. Well, you know the story about the whale and then him coming back and giving a second chance. And in fact, he goes to Nineveh and I, I could preach on this whole story all day, but he ends up going to Nineveh and he does what God calls him to do, but he doesn't do it with a willing heart. He does it with a bitter heart. The people repent, God relents and doesn't destroy them. So how does Jonah feel at the end of the story? I'm angry because I don't like those people and I don't want you to like them, God. I wish they hadn't turned from you because I wish they were all destroyed and going to hell. No, we don't have Christians today who ever feel like that about people, do we? But that was the message of God to these Ninevites. And Jonah, at the end of it, was the one who was unrepentant. The people of Nineveh repented. Jonah wasn't. And so we have people of God who God says, I have a mission for you, I have a calling for you, and I need you to do something to extend the good news of God's mercy and grace to the world. And we'll say, oh, but I don't want, I'm not, no, not me, God. I'm not doing it. Here I am, God, but I'm not going. Have you ever felt prompted by the Spirit to do something? You know, you get that little voice inside you that says, hey, you know, you should, you should talk to that person. Or you hear about somebody that's hurting and you think, oh man, I, I, should, I should take a meal over to them. Or you, you, so you get this prompting and it's like, ah, here I am, God, but no, no, not me. I'm not gonna do that. I think we all have those moments, maybe in little ways, sometimes in big ways, right? I mean, I, I live at the bottom of a hill and every morning I get in my car and I drive up the hill. We have a lot of walkers who walk up the hill to catch the bus at the top of the hill and Every now and then, I sense God saying, you know, pull over and offer that person a ride. And so every once in a while, I'll do that. But then I got to confess, there are times when it's like, I know I should, but God, I just, no, not me. Don't think so. Well, we all have those moments. And, and that was Jonah. It's like Jonah says, God, here I am. I know that I'm supposed to do this. I know I should help out. But No. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. So that's the one response. It's here I am, but I'm not doing it. And then there's the response of Moses. And if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 3. I love the story of Moses and the call of God in Moses' life. It's chapter 3 and 4 of Exodus. And, um, you know, Moses, uh, he was called by God to, uh, to go to Egypt. He was born in Egypt, born in slavery, under Pharaoh's oppressive reign, <clears throat> and the Hebrew people were this minority people that were uh, <clears throat> are brought there, and, um, uh, and, and, and they were doing all the dirty work in the country like the minority groups do in a lot of countries even today. And um, God says, these people, it's not fair. They need to be set free. God, out of a burning bush, when Moses is in exile, God speaks to him out of the burning bush, Chapter three, uh, and God says in verse nine, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are pressing them. So now go, he says to Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so you see Moses here having this conversation with God and at first Moses says, well, who am I that I should go? I'm a nobody. 
I, I don't have, I'm a nobody. I shouldn't do that. And God says, well, I'll go with you. Don't worry, wherever you go, I'm gonna go with you. And that wasn't enough for Moses. So Moses says, okay, well, but what if they ask me who's sending me? What is his name? What am I supposed to tell them? Who, who gave me the orders to go? And God says, well, tell them that I am has sent you. The, the great I am is sending you. In other words, the God who is and created and sustains all things is going, is sending me to, sending you to them. And, 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 but, but Moses says, but what if they don't listen to me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't believe me? And God says, well, you know, what's this in your hand? It's a staff. Throw it down. It turns into a snake. Pick it up. It turns into a staff. Stick your hand in your paw, in your, under your shirt. Pull it out. It's leprous. Put it back in. And God says, basically says, I'm going to go with you. I am God Almighty sending you, and I will perform miracles with you. Do you think Moses would have been convinced by then? No, 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 no. But, but, but he says, but, but, but. But uh, I've never been eloquent. I'm slow to speak. I I stammer. And he did. He had a a speech problem. and 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 he was not a speaker. The last person you would think to go speak to people would not be a person who can't speak, right? So Moses says... I can't do it. I can't. I just don't know how to do it. And and God says, "Well, you know, Aaron, your brother, he's a pretty smooth talker. Let's get him to speak for you. I'll send him with you." And so after Moses finally ran out of excuses, and he says in verse thirteen of chapter four, he says, "But can't you please just send somebody else?" So Moses' response is, you know, Jonah says, here I am, I'm not going. Moses' response is, here I am, but somebody else is better at it than me. Send them. Send them. You know, it's far easier to make excuses than it is to make a difference. And we're all good at those excuses, are we not? They just come naturally to us. Of all the reasons why we can't do something for the Lord, then how we can just say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if I'm able to do it. God, I'm not sure what the results will be. But here I am, God. Use me. I'm available to you. No, we say, but God calls you to do something, to give something. And you say, well, God, you know, but, but God, I really, really, really have to make this payment on this brand new car I bought. God, I really, God, I can't do that because I have these other things I really need. God, you know, can't you use that person? They have more money than I have. Can't you use that person because they can give more than I can? And so we always come up with the excuses why we can't give or maybe, God, I'm not gonna go. They should go. They have the time. I'm working hard, God. They don't have a job. Maybe they should be the ones to do it. Or, or maybe we come up to God, we say, God, you know, I'm not going to serve. They should serve God. They have a servant's heart. I don't like people, God. Why don't you send them? You didn't wire me to like people, God. <laughs> well, you need to get, you need to repent. Start with that. And so, but we all do that. We all come up with these ways in which we say why we should not. There's always somebody better who could do it than us. She can do it. I don't have time for this. I'm not good enough. Can't you just send somebody else? 
Well, we do know that Moses eventually went and God used Moses in spite of himself because the Spirit of God used him. But here's the last, the last response that I want us to look at and consider very seriously, and it's Isaiah. Isaiah, a prophet, uh, uh, not not uh, dissimilar to Jonah around the time of Jonah. And uh, Isaiah was called by God to not go to a foreign people and warn them of the coming judgment, but to go to his own people and warn them of the coming judgment because of their apostasy. You see, the very people that Moses led out of Egypt and led into the promised land under Caleb and uh, Joshua and Caleb and their leadership uh, and... and uh, uh, eventually over time, over generations, they fell far away from God and were really, frankly, not a whole lot of different, whole lot different than the other nations. Instead of being an influence for good in the world, they were more of an influence for bad in the world. And God says, it's time to teach my own people a lesson. And so the Assyrians were going to come and destroy them. God said, Isaiah, I want you to go. Tell them, warn them. Isaiah's response, in fact, uh, we can see it in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. He says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And notice what Isaiah didn't say. He didn't say, Well, God, um, you know, what's the package that comes with that offer? God, what's the salary scale there? He didn't say, God, um, you know, uh, uh, where is it you're sending me? What's the climate like there? He didn't come up with, well, does it fit my agenda and will it make my life easier? He didn't say, your will is what is going to make my life easier and therefore I believe it's my... How many people believe that their will is always God's will? when it comes to answered prayer. Sometimes God calls us to do things that are tough, that are gonna cost us. In fact, the greatest, I think, changes that we make in life are the tough calls that we say yes to. So no, no, Isaiah's simple response was, here I am, send me. Here I am, or here am I, send me, depending on the version you're looking at. And so here's, here's my challenge to all of us this week. In fact, every day. But let's just, let's just start this week. Would it be great if you woke up in the morning and the first thing you said, God, I'm available. I'm available. God, I want to be open. I want to be ready. Whatever it is you have for me, God, I'm available to you. So you wake up in the morning and say, God, you know, I give you my mind. I give you my eyes. I give you my mouth. I give you my hands. I give you my feet. What do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? God, I'm here. Send me. Use me. Um, I, I, I want to be able to speak the truth in love where I need to be. I want to be a word of encouragement or comfort or edification as the Spirit always uses people to do. I don't want to continue to spread gossip. I don't want to continue to spread hatred. I don't want to continue to spread anger. I don't want to be a voice of division. God, help me be a person of healing. Help me be a person of help. God, I offer myself. Here I am. Send me. Wouldn't it be great if every one of us woke up this week and said that? Wow. Can you imagine what God could do if he had a people like that? This morning before church, we get together with the hospitality team and the volunteers that are working with children and, and the creative arts team, the AV team, the worship team, and we pray for you. 
In fact, did you know, I don't know if you didn't know, that every Sunday we have, a, we have some people that walk these rows and lay a hand on every chair and pray for you before you ever come on a Sunday morning. You've been prayed for before you ever get here. So we're prayed in there, and I thought, man, Jesus had 12 people who were, well, let's just say, they didn't view the world the same. You had zealots, you had tax collectors, you had fishermen, all people who had different perspectives and viewpoints on how to solve the problems of the world. He calls them together, none of which were most uh, educated people, and he says, follow me, and look what happened through those 12 people. Spirit filled 120 people in the upper room, and the world was turned upside down. We have 700 people week after week who meet here and up at the mills and in the four services that we have. And I'm thinking, can you imagine if all of us were sold out to God and were available to God, what God could do in our own, just our communities? Just our communities? If everybody said, I'm available, God, use me. Use me. And that's where I believe God wants us to pray this gutsy prayer to stick our necks out so that we would be that people. How do we get there? Well, let's talk. I just have a few minutes. I want to talk to you about how you can get to that place where you can be fully surrendered to God. And I think we see it right here in the text with Isaiah in chapter 6 here. Because at the beginning of the chapter, we see in verse 6, Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The first thing I think that we all need to be able to really be surrendered to God is we all need a genuine experience with God. We need a genuine experience with the presence of God. And that's what Moses had at the beginning here. He, he had this, this vision, this, this sense that, that God had called him for something. And this experience with God, he caught a glimpse of the, the glory of God, the, the smoke, the thunder. In fact, it goes on to say there in verse 3 and 4, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He sees the seraphim, the angels, worshiping and praising. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. I read that, and I think about our worship experiences. And we'll put some smoke in the air. And if we crank the bass up loud enough, the doorposts are rattling. But that's man-made. Imagine. Imagine if when we got together, we really experienced the presence of God in this place. God wanted to touch lives and change hearts and deliver people and heal people and help people to find mercy and grace and truth. And you know what he does? I see it every week in your eyes. I see it in people's hearts that are changed. I hear the stories of what God is doing. But that's what he experienced in this vision of the presence of God in that place. And the text goes on to talk about, okay, so we read about that. And he had this genuine experience with God. And it's those experiences, I think, that we fall back on whenever we're asked to do something that's outside of our comfort level or beyond our make, me, make my life easier kind of prayers. It's the, it's the experience with God that it begins with that. Um, 
I, I remember a, 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 a situation, not similar to this, but back when this church was being uh, started up in Penn Hills, and my wife and I moved here from State College and had been meeting with a couple dozen people for over a year, and it was going nowhere fast. I mean, it really was in a, not happening. And I started to really wrestle with self-doubt and why God and did I make a big mistake? Never should have left where I was. Things were so much easier and better there. Yada, yada, yada. I'd go home from church on a Sunday morning. We're meeting in rented space there. I'd go home on a Sunday morning and I'd tell Teresa, you know what? If I wasn't pastor of this church, I wouldn't come to it. Literally. And considering, should I give up? Did I make a mistake? And, 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 and so... Um, I, I, I had a friend who called me. In fact, a friend who had pioneered a church in Richmond, Virginia about a year before me and was seeing good things happen there. And he just said, you know, as one of those sharpened me kind of friends. And uh, he said, you know, I was praying today, God laid you on my heart and he shared a scripture with me and he said, I think God wanted me just to share with you something. He said, you know, Bill, I think God's going to do something through you, but God's going to do something to you first. He's going to do something in you. Before he can do something through you, he has to do something in you. And you know what? I, I, I took that as a word from the Lord. And uh, things didn't turn around overnight. It was years before things really started to pick up. But it was that word of encouragement that said to me, Bill, don't give up, keep going. You're here for a reason. God's going to do something. But it was a humbling process. I needed that. It was good for me. Painful, yes, but good for me. And I feel like God, all of us, have had experiences with God where we've found God's presence to speak to our hearts and encourage us, to draw us unto himself, that we would know him. And that's where I think all of us, maybe here at the beginning of the year, if you've not had an experience with God, I want to encourage you. The Bible says, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. <clears throat> and maybe you've just sort of strayed from God, or maybe you're far from God, and you've never had that. And I just want to encourage you, let it begin with a genuine experience with the Spirit of God. Spirit of God, if you're real, please speak to my heart. I know that I don't deserve it, but I need you. And that's the second thing that we see in this story. He had a genuine experience with God, but he also had a genuine awareness of his sinfulness. When he gets caught up into this presence of the glory and the holiness of God, he suddenly realizes that he's not so holy himself. And, and he cries out and he says, woe to me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. In other words, when he sees the presence of God and the holiness of God, he says, I should not be here. I'm a sinful person. And he was genuinely aware of his sinfulness. And I think that for all of us to be able to be used from God, there's that sense of the experience with God, but in the experience of God, we realize that, man, we are two sinners, right? We talked about that even the last few weeks, about the idea that our, the heart is deceitful above all things, and it's beyond cure. Nobody can understand it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us has become like one who is unclean. And even our righteous acts are like filthy rags. 
You know, even the good things we do are mixed with selfish uh, motives. We want payback for it somehow or some way. And, and so Isaiah was, was, was fully aware that, that he was sinful. And so he had this genuine experience. He was aware of his sinfulness. But there's a third thing that happened to him in this story that I think is very crucial. He came to a genuine understanding of God's mercy and God's grace. When you understand just how amazing God's grace is, when you really sense your, your, your unworthiness and your sinfulness and you realize that Christ came and did something to take your guilt, your shame away, and you catch that, it transforms your life. And that's what happened here. And in the story in this vision in verses uh, 6 and 7 of chapter 6, he says, Then one of the seraphim, these angelic beings, flew to me with a live coal in his hand. And when he had taken the tongs from the altar with it, he touched my mouth. And he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. With one touch of the goodness of God, boom. He was made right with God. Think about that. It's, it's too good to be true, almost. If it wasn't for the resurrection, I don't know if I could even believe it to be true. But God came and, and does that for every one of us when we bow our knee and say, Jesus, because of what you've done for me, I believe you can forgive me. Forgive me, God. And forgive my sin. I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And in a moment, the goodness of God can touch your life and your sins, the guilt is taken away from you because Jesus took it on the cross. Think about that. Think about that. Your lying lips, boom, forgiven in a moment. Your self-centered ways, Boom, forgiven in a minute. Think about that. Your greed, your lust, your anger, your gossiping, your racism, your pride. Forgiven, 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 forgiven. Because of the mercy of God. And that is life transformative. And when he sensed that, his response was, God, here am I. I'm available. Send me. Send me. Send me. Now, a lot of us might think, well, I got to do it because Jesus did this and now I'm obligated to pay him back. So I will do what you want me to do, God. And they'll say it reluctantly or they'll sign up out of a sense of guilt and shame or duty because the preacher is telling you to do it. And I hate to feel guilt, so I'll do this to keep alleviate. And if you do that, you've missed the whole point of what I just said. We don't love and serve and give ourselves to Christ in order to get our guilt atoned for. We do it because our guilt has already been atoned for. And now we get to do this. We are free to do this. We are now saying, God, I don't wake up in the morning and say, well, I better have my, do my good deed for the day because I'm a Boy Scout and I'm supposed to do that. I get up in the morning and say, God, I'm available. Help me to make a difference with this life and this day that you've given me. And we do it. And we do it. And you wake up the next day and you wake up. Because why? Because you're on mission from God. 
You're on a mission from God. You are a missionary today, right now, wherever God. And say, I'm afraid to pray that, pray that prayer. I'm available to God because he might send me to Africa. I don't want to do that. Well, he, he might. I'm not going to say that God won't do that. But you know, 99 out of 100 times, he sends you right to where you already are right to where you already are with a sense of mission on your life. You say, God, I want to wake up today. Go where you send me. Be available for whatever you have for me. I want to be ready to be used by you to encourage, to pray, to help, to lift, to better this world. That, folks, is what all of us are called to do. So maybe God wants you to Send a gift card to a single mother who could really use a shot in the arm. You know, maybe, may, maybe, maybe God wants you to uh, fill in for a coworker who has a has a sick parent and they have to take off work and they they won't get paid or you're able to you're able to work with them. Maybe God, whatever whatever that is, you are God's representative in any place that God has you. And as God's representative, right, we are to bear witness to Christ. So if we are bearing witness to Christ, we are God's representative wherever God sends you. That's the sense of calling and mission that every Christian, every believer has. So let me just end with a question. Are you available? Are you available? Or can be like Jonah and say, here I am, God, but not me. Or you can be like Moses and say, but, but God, somebody else could do a better job than me. Or are you going to be like Isaiah and say, God, I don't know what it is. I don't know where you're sending me. But the answer is yes. I'm available. I want to go. Would you bow your heads with me, please? God, maybe there's people here this morning and they've not had that experience with you and even today might be the day for them to say, God, show me your glory. Speak to my heart. God, I just, I, I need to hear in, in some way inside of me, I need a sense that this is what you're calling me to do is to, to give my life to you. Yes. Maybe there are people here that are saying, God, but I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm a sinner. I live among people that are sinners. I don't believe that you really would love me and forgive me. And maybe they just need a sense like Isaiah did, the forgiveness of God, the, the hot coal touching their lips, Jesus, the blood of Christ, forgiving their sins. Give them a sense that, yes, they are clean. They are pure. They are right. They are made right because of Jesus, not because of their own works. And maybe there are people that are here that are just saying, God, God, I just believe your grace is real and your grace has changed me and your grace is now wanting to use me because I am your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do your works on this earth. Let it happen, Jesus, I pray. God, today, I'm available. God, when I wake up tomorrow, help me to pray that prayer. God, 
I'm available. I want to make this world a better place. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know what I wish I did? I wish I could have your text number. I'm not going to ask for it because I'm not going to do it. But I would text you tomorrow morning and just ask the question, are you available? Are you available? Are you available? So maybe you can make a deal with one of your friends here and exchange cell numbers and ask yourself to send a text, ask each other. I'll text you, you text me, ask the question, are you available? And let that be your question every day this week. Would you stand together with me? I want to pray a benedictory prayer. We're not going to have any songs this morning because we want you to take time, make your way to some of these tables and uh, sign up to be a part of one of our contribute teams here. But uh, as you go from this place, I just want to say in the name of the Father who calls all of us to help make this world a better place, in the name of the Son by whose sacrifice you are forgiven and free, and by the Spirit of God who empowers you and sends you into the world, may you be available to be who God wants you to be and do what God calls you to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.com dot org.